Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Nice to see you, Allie B. Good to see you, too. Al Shattuck on, on world tour this weekend. <laughs> I had a good time, Abandon me. Tired. Abandon me. Friday night. Goes whisking out of here. It's 7.30, dressed in a skimpy, tiny, patchwork cocktail dress. Heads out to a casino to <laughs> enjoy high society sure cocktails with her friends. An accurate reference. That is accurate indeed. So Friday night, you left me. You went to. You were staying at the Ritz in Springfield, Massachusetts. No. And, and then Saturday was convention day, which of course you were in your element, which you loved because it was probably awful. But you, lo- <laughs> but you love. Why do you hate me? <laughs> I don't hate you. I'm just saying that you love that, that you're nerdy about this kind of stuff. You like I state am politics. nerdy about this stuff. So I you're at the like state it. convention, and it. you looked great in all the pictures. You joined John Featherston, right? I did, John Featherston. I saw Craig of the Very Good Show and the Jerry Callahan podcast. Ooh, gives a very good show. Top billing there. Wow, Alice. Well, his name on Twitter is Craig VGS. Oh, I didn't put that together. That's what that, that is. Yeah. And, That's uh, what I almost said Craig VGS. So how I was pivoted. he? How was Craig? He was good. I'm, he introduced himself as Ironhead to me. Yeah, because Jerry has monkeys. I mean, <laughs> so now he's he is. Well, I, I, don't, I actually don't know what how he's more famous now because of Mike Blind Mike or because of if you guys aren't in the Manhattan They're sort of about, different universes yeah. a little bit. Craig had a great line. Oh, it was the line about me about the Mark David Chapman thing. <laughs> he was very funny. He seems like a good guy. I think the kind of guy I can hang with. I think he, you like him, Alice. He's, I do like him. He's he a family nice. man, and he's got lots of guns. I do. I like him. I like all those things. He was very nice. He was uh, producing John Featherston, uh, reporting from the conventions. That was great. I chatted with them, um, and then saw them around the convention floor. It was very cool. So it's very interesting. I, I was thinking about this because I was watching national politics. You know, we had been talking about. In Massachusetts, in probably like Connecticut, in Massachusetts, um, the polite company Republicans, the Charlie Baker Republicans. Mm-hmm. I used to call them country club Republicans. Country club Republicans, exactly. Mm-hmm. They have kind of gone away. The party, the state party that now belongs to the Trumpy Republicans. It's fair to say. Right. I think that's accurate. And so, um, and so if that's where the passion in the party is, then... That's where they should belong. Well, interestingly, though, I don't think that the Trumpy Republicans have yet. And I mean, I believe that they're trying to, but I don't think that they've yet replaced those country club Republicans with anybody. Right. In this state anyway. I'm not speaking nationally, but I'm speaking from my experience at the convention is that those people were absent and there wasn't anyone else there. So it was a bit of a smaller gathering than usual. Now, 
would it be great? Like, so they did for the speakers, they had a bunch of people that I think would draw in some of those groups. So mm-hmm. they had Byron Donalds, the uh, congressman we've talked about him before. From Florida, I believe, right? Or- yes, from Florida. I believe yeah. some of our Florida listeners have told us that he's their congressman. Maybe Paul, I think, had said that. Yeah, and he's awesome. Um, Yes, so uh, he's great. He's fantastic. He gave a great speech. He's if you don't know, he's an African American uh, Republican. He was great. I think uh, African Americans are now oh, black. Are we not allowed to say that now? Yeah. I don't know. That's what was in vogue when I was in high school. So anyway, I know. he's a black American. If uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he's a great congressman. He was super. He gave a great speech. Um, which does, which is also terrible too, because black people aren't black. That's inaccurate. We nor nor white people. Well, whatever. I remember watching like when I when at the time when African American was the thing to say. Mm -hmm. I remember watching a reporter get very confused about what she was supposed to say about black people in France, right? Because she was like tripping over it. I know it's all French people or so. I don't know, but yeah, it's all dumb. But anyway, um, he gave a great speech. He had a great. Uh, DeSantis got a lot of applause when he mentioned Governor DeSantis. He also mentioned uh, one of his relatives texting him and saying Trump 2024. And that got big applause too. definitely a very pro Trump crowd. Uh, I would say that the average age of the people in the audience was not close to Byron Donald's age. Mm -hmm. Uh, He mentioned he's 43 during his speech. And he said, you know, people think I'm younger than that, but I'm 43. But that was quite a bit younger than the average member of the, the people who were there. There were a lot of people who it was their first time going to a convention. And from the people that I talked to there, it sounded to me like a lot of them, it was their first time going to a convention because mm-hmm. their city and town committees didn't have enough people to go. Um, so if you don't know, that's how like they select the people to be delegates to the convention is every city and town uh, has the right in Massachusetts to create committees for each political party. And those committees are the people who decide they vote on who goes to the convention as delegates to select, you know, who's the endorsed candidate for governor, whether people can make the ballot, all that stuff. So you can't make the ballot as a Republican or a Democrat in Massachusetts if you can't get 15 percent of your party's vote at the convention. You don't get to be on the primary ballot. Right. So, um, you know, it. It was important to be there if you're running as a Republican and there aren't a lot of people running as Republicans. And it doesn't seem like there was a ton of interest in being at this convention based on my conversations there, because, as you know, like our local party committee put both of us in as delegates Mm -hmm. uh, without us asking them to because they had extra spots and they knew Mm -hmm. us and knew we were Republicans. And I went. You didn't. But but a lot of people went because the spots weren't. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to fast forward here because I can't I can't do this much longer. I can't. I know that you love it. In, but I, I would rather self-immolate than to talk any more about state politics. I just wanted to touch on it a little bit to really bring it to national politics. But if there's something you want to say, go ahead. Um. Well, now I'm flustered. No, I, I didn't mean know. to fluster you. I just, I, I didn't mean to fluster, fluster you. I just, I, uh, I, but I, I, I think anyway. Um, I think that our state party has a lot of work to do right. and a lot to do. I think they're trying to do it. I don't, I'm not sure in this state how it's going, frankly. I, I It doesn't look from this convention to me like they've attracted a lot of youth and vigor. They definitely have the youth and vigor speakers up there. They definitely are trying and doing stuff. And they had a convention and they put it on. But I'm not 100% sure... Um, you know where where this is going because, but uh, I do think Jeff Deal gave probably the best speech of his career at the convention. Oh, that's great! Um, I that's thought great. He, I thought he was fantastic. We sh- maybe we should have him on. I like I do like him. I like talking to him. He's a funny. He's a funny bastard, Alice. I gotta say that, and I, and I like it when we've talked. Just just. Uh... I think Leah Cole Allen, who used to be just Leah Cole but Mm -hmm. got married, uh, who is his running mate, is fantastic and has a very compelling story. Um, She is she was fired. She was a nurse during COVID when she Mm -hmm. was pregnant and she was fired for not getting vaccinated while she was breastfeeding. She didn't want to get vaccinated while she was breastfeeding and they didn't let her come back from her maternity leave. They said sayonara. So, <laughs> um, so that's good. That was a really big applause line for him in his speech. As he said, you know, the first, my first day in office, I'm going to rehire every uh, cop and firefighter 
who was fired for not taking the vaccine. And on the second day, I'm going to give a pink slip to everybody who thought that was a good idea. Oh, that's nice. So it was a good line. That was a big crowd pleaser. And I think, honestly, I think his best shot, frankly, at the governorship is if uh, issues like that stay the focus. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) the problem is, of course, the the problem is is there's a lot of people in this state... um, who are driving around in Priuses who have Elizabeth Warren bumper stickers on because that's what you do. It's a, it's a, this is a signaling um, uh, symbolism state where you show what kind of person you are based on the veneer and the outwardly carefully sculpted brand of, of these progressive politicians. So somebody who's very unimpressive, for instance, like Liz Warren, is considered very impressive by them. They don't they don't care. They're willing to look past the cultural appropriation. They're willing to look past the fact that she was taking a huge salary from a college for teaching just one class, but meanwhile talks about college debt and all this. I, I mean, mean, or Ed this, Markey, this, what this, a perpetual... The, yeah, the left will take, what well, in this state, in Massachusetts, Massachusetts is lost, which is one of the reasons I hate to, the politics, it is... Um, is that is that is that they while petting themselves in the back for being so kind and virtuous, they they hire they elect awful vile people, and one of them is going to be speaker of the house soon. But the reason I bring this up is that that Massachusetts, the Massachusetts Republicans, whom I know and you know and mm-hmm. well you've been one and I've been around them and they're the salt of the earth, these people, mm-hmm. but they are now in polite society polite society they are now aligned with trumpism and trump which is considered complete and believe me i dealt out with this with, with editors who when i was working in newspapers who with uh, so they've been they've been um um what's it called if you put gasoline in the water tainted yeah they've been tainted but they've also been something else uh, polluted so, I don't know. yeah so it's considered Class A and gauche to be a person like that in Massachusetts. We've got so many Ivy League colleges, and we're so we're so intelligent, we're so sophisticated, we're so so it's so against very the brand of the elites in Massachusetts goes very much against them. In in crud towns, maybe they you know anyway. So so the, it's elitism really is what it is, and and so these people in Massachusetts have these Republicans in Massachusetts. There aren't enough of them. They're they're spread around. And and the elites don't give a flying f, and it and it's and it kills me. But I, but so so I'm going to bring this to what I saw today nationally in the Sunday shows. Okay. You had a show after show. These, the one of the themes was the primaries are coming this week. Mm-hmm. Okay, in a lot of states, and so you've got actual candidates. And these primaries, some of whom are Trump candidates, who are quote election deniers. They were saying. Calling them election right. deniers, deniers who believe in the big lie. Election deniers believe this is election deniers are something that's reserved only for conservative Trumpy people um, who who don't believe who had a problem with the election. That is not you can be a Democrat and have a problem. They not only in the same block talked about dangerous election deniers, dangerous mm-hmm. election deniers. These people to say denier at all is. You know, it's obviously it's it stems from Holocaust denier, so that's it's supposed to have that venom in there. Right. So it's gross. It's intellectually lazy. It's a, a biased term. But they would talk about election den- deniers in one block while also praising Stacey Abrams in the same block. And, and she doesn't get to be an election denier. Of course, she's an election denier if there's an election deniers that exists because she thinks that she's the sitting governor governor of Georgia right now. Um. But, well, right, and I mean, look at Corinne Jean Pierre, right? Corinne Jean Pierre sure. was running MoveOn.org, and or not running, but was a, a, <clears throat> the head spokesperson for MoveOn.org mm-hmm. uh, at the time when Trump was elected, and their primary belief about what to do about Trump being elected was convince the electors of the Electoral College to elect Hillary Clinton instead to deny Trump the election. And she openly advocated for this. She was saying that the, the will of the people and the electoral college results should actually be thrown out, which is, you know, it's the same thing that Trump did. I don't think anybody who says stuff like that is a quote threat to democracy, Mm -hmm. but they do, you know? So the fact that she's out there saying that, and she's now speaking for this white house in the same breath, calling people who doubt the, uh, results of the 2020 election, faithless or uh, it, you know, dangerous. Oh, of is, course, it's absurd. Yeah, but but and, and I also don't. 
I don't really care about that about her. I'm not trying to take away everything that you want to talk about, Alice. I'm really not trying to do uh-huh. it. No, but what I'm saying is when it comes to her, I, I could she's a she's a soulless flack with a minimal brainwave, just like the person before her and person before her. She is simply just like Stephanie Cutter, who was making the making the the rounds today. She's a soulless flack who said whatever needed to be said, and that's what she did. And she would go and she'll she'll work for uh for the next place she works for, and she'll say what they want to say. But but here's the thing: is that in a lot of these panels today, so the, the, so they're so so they're calling election deniers. If you if you're mm-hmm. election denier, election denier. If you believe in them, you're an election denier. All the Republicans are election deniers. That's the problem. Two, they um, they tried to tie the Buffalo shooting to um, mainstream Republican con- congressional day-to-day activity. Mm-hmm. And more and more guys said, my dad was uh, 13 when Emmett Till died, a black guy on the CNN panel today. And he reminds me of Emmett Till, reminds you of the, the, the Edmund Pettus Bridge, it reminds you of the, it's all the same things. In other words, saying this is just, we've never gotten past anything that's happened in the civil rights era. Right. We're right in the midst of it, and this is proving that right now. Which, so, which is, of course, gross, which is to say, and we, you need to hear Republicans need to denouncing this. Not only Yeah, this was the big uh, Boston Globe opinion piece today, too. Right, and it's the thing that Republicans Yesterday, need to say. So, so, so once again, you've got these people, like the Republican Party in Massachusetts, the true believers who you saw this weekend, mm-hmm. salt-of-the-earth people, who half of them are called election deniers, and they're called, they're affiliated now. They're saying that there's an association, a literal association with those nice people, the people you had cocktails with Friday night, and the people where you were with yesterday, that there's an association between them and the worst people in racist America's history, and it's enfranchised in Washington, D.C. And the worst people in human history, like Hitler and everybody else. Yes, but the news media and elected leaders and pundits and newsmakers and influencers are saying this. I use the term white supremacy here and there's there's again and again and again. Now, today, what they have on these panels usually is so one panel essentially had Stephanie Cutter, Mm -hmm. who was uh, Hillary's flack, um, you know, talking about the elections coming up, what you're going to need. And then the other side, you had um, um, uh, Soltis, Kristen Soltis Hughes or whatever, Caitlin Huey Burns. I don't know. One of those Mm -hmm. ones from the dispatch, whatever. So you had the person the you would have um the the flack for Hillary who went on and instead of doing X's and O's and telling people about you know what what this candidate was thinking what this candidate was thinking was simply flacking for the Democratic candidate and then you had Caitlin Huey Burns who is doing X's and O's but she's not a Trump person so she's going to try to do you know she's going to be fair and balanced so the people got extreme anti-Trump and moderately anti-Trump <laughs> as the two sides. So once again, those people that you were with mm-hmm. this weekend right. were unrepresented on the air today. Anywhere. The people called them names, etc. But yep. there were no there were there were no people, there were no Trump people there. Which is when the Trump people now are Republican Party people because the Trump right. own the, the Republican Party. Right. But they're and unrepresented. It's... So once again, and meanwhile they're talking down about them. On all of these stations and saying how dangerous they are and how the how Trump people caused the Buffalo massacre, etc., and more and more talking over the talking down about these people again and again and again, and these people have no representation and no voice at all, and it's like, it, and these people have been wronged repeatedly, and now if these people get effing pissed off again, which they have every right to be mm-hmm. because they're treated like fourth class citizens. Then the the, the the elites are once again going to say, "Oh my goodness, look how angry they are!" But it's horrific that there's no representation for mainstream Republicans now. There's no right. representation unless you go to like Newsmax or somewhere else. Nobody else is even respecting them enough. It's nuts. It's it's absolutely craziness. And so I'm just waiting for. And there's too much consensus. Jonah Goldberg uses election denier now. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, it's interesting because the general feeling amongst like the editorial writers and the people on the left who make opinions is that they haven't. The whole problem why the country is still divided and mad at each other is that they just haven't been hard enough on the Trump people yet. 
Right. That's the overall tone of this Boston Globe opinion piece. I want to read you a little bit of this. This is from Renee Graham at the Globe yesterday, calling out the GOP's dangerous emboldening of white supremacy. After another racist massacre, Democrats should stop being polite and start getting real about naming Republicans who incite far-right extremism. Did I miss something? Have they not been accusing Republicans of being racist and white Mm -hmm. supremacists and extremists now for a while? Was there like a lack of that happening? Because it seems to me there's been a lot of that. No Republican politician or candidate should ever again be permitted to leave an interview or walk off a debate stage without being asked whether they denounce so-called great replacement theory and say what steps they will take to dismantle white supremacy and violent extremism. And there's the game right there is creating a solid association mm-hmm. that this is part of your party platform. So you have to denounce it or not denounce it. So kind of the same way that they're putting people on the line right now. And, and uh, Margaret Brennan was doing it today saying to the Republican she had on, do you believe just for the record straight before we get started, before we start, do you believe that Joe Biden is the rightful president, lawful president <laughs> of the United States? And that's fine. And the guy usually says yes, but but it's the fact that this only started now. But there's this weird religious test about what right. you believe about the presidency. Because right. if you like, don't, if you don't believe that, then we think you're a liar, and I don't feel comfortable having you on the air. Do you also have to? I mean, yeah. But but it just starts. It's only for the Republicans, and it's only for one side. Only one side has to have has to answer for massacres. Only one side has to have this test of was this election totally clean, or are you an election denier? In other words, a white supremacist psycho. Well, well it's, indeed, one though, side. it's and so this one side, the people you were with this weekend, have no representation on the airwaves right now. Oh, of course. And so, like, you wonder why they get pissed off. Well, because it's what you're doing to them. And these arrogant motherfuckers in the, in the news never stop. They never stop with this freaking arrogance, this condescending attitude, the way they speak about the American voters. Misrepresenting them is something they certainly are not. You know, in, in, in t- taking every lazy, lazy freaking shortcut to try to just malign them as lesser than, as trashy, as dumb. Look at the polling. Look at the polling. They were weeping over one of the polls. I was reading with Dana Bash and some pollster said, oh, my goodness. Well, if you think you're – if you start today out pessimistic, you may be more so with Biden's polling numbers. (laughs) It's like these people are just the freaking worst. By the way, we have in just a few minutes – Ben Carson is coming up. You remember him Mm -hmm. as the HUD secretary for – um, for Joe Biden in the Donald Trump. Oh yeah, that's right, Donald Trump. Who? Would, yeah, that's right. Somebody else was was calling somebody George Bush today. It was oh, go ahead, Alice. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm reminded by this stuff. This like weird sort of religious test for getting to talk in polite company. Mm-hmm. It like reminds me of the lawn signs that have way too much text on them because liberals are weird and like need to create signs that have too much text. We're like, in this house, we believe science and Black Lives Matter and love is love and da da da. Like you have to say all your affirmations about all the things you believe and climate yes. change yes. and all the things. Like first before you can be allowed in polite company right there's a test say that you have to pass in order to be allowed to talk or vote or have a legitimate opinion and like it's all tied into this whole like religious belief that they have like like first before you start talking no republican should be allowed to talk that's what this globe editorial says unless you will tell us what (laughs) steps you plan to take to dismantle white supremacy so before you can you know be considered legitimate or of any note, like you have to immediately subscribe to the left's whole religious belief about white supremacy. What steps are you taking to dismantle white supremacy? Like every time you talk to somebody, you can't hear what they have to say unless they first tell you the steps they're planning to take to dismantle white supremacy. I mean, that's an astonishing thing, really, for a Globe opinion <clears throat> column to but say that that's it, like. Isn't that just Maxine Waters saying disturb them where they're comfortable, get in their faces, don't let them eat? It's it's saying stop the conversation with these people. We're at intimidate them. Mm-hmm. Don't don't you know cast them out. It's really just a, a way to bully somebody and right. terrorize somebody is what they're saying. 
So this piece goes on. In a nation built by enslaved black people on lands stolen from indigenous people for the enrichment of white people. White supremacy remains an existential threat to America and it's still unfulfilled democracy. Last weekend, a self-identified white supremacist targeted a Buffalo supermarket in a predominantly black neighborhood and shot 13 people. Every person killed was black. In a speech during his visit to, the buf- to Buffalo after the massacre, President Biden called white supremacy a poison that runs through our body politic. He said, we need to say as clearly and forcefully as we can that the ideology of white supremacy has no place in America. None. Biden added, silence is complicity. We cannot remain silent. Have you noticed a lot of silence coming from the Democrats which about is, of supposed course, white right. supremacy? So which is, which is another way to, to now, now you're not talking to these people, the Trump Republicans, you're um, accusing them of being white supremacists. Mm-hmm. You're telling them that we should bully them in the streets and bully them and don't engage with them whatsoever and that they're complicit in murders. So you wonder why they um, effing hate you? All right, so we should get to a couple things here. Can I get to one more oh, bit okay. of this editorial? I'm sorry. Or opinion piece, I guess. With fragile Democratic majorities in the House and Senate, democracy is on the ballot in November's midterm elections. So is white supremacy. This This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Dumb, dumb. Who let this dumb, dumb write this cliche-ridden piece of burrito? Dumb, dumb. (laughs) You're a dumb, dumb, Renee Graham. I'm sorry. Democracy and white supremacy are on the ballot. Whether voters will reject Republicans who promulgate lies about the 2020 presidential election, immigration, reproductive justice, gender-affirming health care, and American history may depend on Democrats' ability to stop being polite and start getting real about calling out Republicans and their extremist platform. It's unbelievable. And then they, like, they tweet Adam Kinzinger, who says, did... We pull the trigger in Buffalo. No, but they called this. Did they call this guy up and tell him to do it? No, but we as a party and movement or people, frankly, like Tucker Carlson, throw out these theories or fish in these waters of white replacement theory or echo some of these kind of fear based things. You can't be surprised when some people take that to the level of going and massacring people. But yes, you can. You can be surprised. If not, then this president needs to step down and every Democrat needs to step down. They've been using war uh, terminology forever. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a war on poverty. They had the, they had to stop the war on women. Remember, we had a war on women the other few mm-hmm. years ago. It's like war please. on poverty, war on drugs. First of all, the, the, the fiery political rhetoric has been part of the, the game on both sides. Do you only have one side here trying to convince blacks that Republicans are trying to kill them? Okay, it's like mm-hmm. please. Stop but it. I like this as an electoral strategy that Democrats have just not been mean enough to Trump people and been too polite to them and not called them enough names and that's the problem and if if Democrats double down on calling Trump Mm -hmm. people names that that is going to help them win in November that strikes me as an astonishing electoral strategy but I hope Democrats adopt it because I can't see that it working out the way she thinks it is and she actually kind of acknowledges this next she goes of course this is a message that a lot of white people regardless of how they vote won't want to hear over the coming weeks and months. After George Floyd's murder two years ago, we yet again saw this nation's limited capacity for reckoning with racist violence and its origins. Instead, many retreat from what they perceive as a personal indictment of their unwillingness to challenge racist political extremism, even though this nation faces no greater threat. 
And then she goes on about how we need to do all this stuff because like they need to call out the GOP more and Republicans more and Trump supporters more so that to prove to people why they need to vote for Democrats in November. I mean, is that not like the most short sighted, insane thing you've ever heard of? Of course it is. But it's the same thing. They they don't have anything else. Like Republicans don't necessarily do that great a job creating a value proposition for voters. Like I'll be the first to acknowledge that they they're not great at it. But the only people who are apparently worse at it are Democrats, right? Like, like, I don't think, for example, that campaigning on 2020 was stolen is a winning strategy for Republicans. Like, I, I think they need to move on from that and focus on the critical race theory and the gender stuff in schools. And, and I mean, in the case of Massachusetts, like the firing people over vaccines. I mean, that's more Healy was for that. And she'll be for it again, right? She's pro-firing cops if they don't want to get the vaccine. That's like her baby. That's her policy, right? So, you know, and I, I happen to think that if that's where the the election ends up and what it ends up being about, that the Republicans stand a good chance, even in places like Massachusetts, because for all that there are a lot of crazy people in this state, and there are, and there are people that will never, ever vote for Jeff Deal in a million years, no matter what, right? Uh, you know, I don't think actually that a majority of people in this state are for firing cops and firefighters over a vaccine. Do you think that? Do you think like more than 50 percent of the people overall in the state think we should fire cops that don't want no. to take the vaccine? Like, I, I don't think so either. And like, I think that the Republicans have some winning messages here. But um, yeah, some of them some of them aren't going to fly in this state. Certainly if the election ends up being about like Roe v. Wade and a woman's right to choose, like I don't think that's even though I happen to be on the very Republican side of that issue, I don't think it's necessarily a winning one for Republicans in Massachusetts. But um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think that if Republicans double down on race and make this the summer of we just haven't called the majority of Americans racist enough times mm-hmm. and that's the problem, I think that Republicans in general are going to have a very good November. I totally agree. Um, so we so we're gonna have time to we're gonna we'll play our Ben Carson interview. Mm-hmm. Um, but we won't. We're gonna have to. Put Bill Maher in the Patreon only okay. part of the show, but I've tweeted that out too. So you guys, if you don't want to miss it, have you even heard it? Um, I've heard a few people talk to me about it. I have not. It's Bill Maher's it. finest moment ever. I have not heard, ever heard a, such an aggressive attack takedown. It 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 towers over anything Chappelle did. This is a takedown of the trans bullying movement. It's incredible. But right now we go to Doctor Ben Carson. Okay, it is my pleasure to welcome Dr. Ben Carson. He is author of Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. You know him as uh, the former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, and he is the former Director of Pediatric Neurosurgery at Johns Hopkins, where he first became a superstar, and a presidential candidate. Dr. Carson, thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, you know what I didn't mention is your a podcast, your new pod, podcast, uh, which I just signed up for, which is Common Sense with Dr. Ben Carson. Um, and I want to get, I want to ask you something about that I heard you speak about in your podcast that you also write about in the book. And I think it's very interesting that with what we've going, got going now with things like race and I guess gender issues, et cetera, that as humans, we are, you, you mentioned that we are blessed that, and, and superior to animals because we've got big frontal lobes, but progressives want to, um, want to uh, stimulate another part of the brain, which is a reactionary part of the brain. Can you explain a little bit about Correct. that? Correct. Yeah, well, you know, if, if you look at a human brain versus an animal brain, maybe a dog, they look very similar, except... The, the dog's midbrain is very well developed. The midbrain is the part of the brain that allows you to react. And that's why animals react mm. so much faster than we do, cat-like reflexes. Mm. But people have much bigger, well-developed frontal lobes, which is where you engage in, <clears throat> in rational thought processing. So we have the ability to extract information from the past, integrate it with information from the present, project it into the future. We can playing complex things a year ahead, five years, 10 years, 20 years ahead of time because of the complexity of our brains and our analytical skills. 
So, you know, when we're teaching children that the most important determinant of what happens to you in life is the color of your skin, Hmm. we're encouraging them to act like animals, just to look at something and react to it, as opposed to using those frontal lobes, analyzing the content of the character, which is what Dr. Martin Luther King advised. So that's remarkable. Why would we why why would somebody want to do that? Make a person into a reactionary cyborg rather than a caring, thoughtful human being? Well, I suspect they're not really thinking about that. Um, you know, there are those who want to fundamentally change our country. Mm-hmm. And remember, well, you don't remember, you're too young, but uh, 60 years ago, Nikita Khrushchev said to Eisenhower, your grandchildren's children will live under communism, hmm. and we won't have to fire a shot. And what did he know? He knew that all you had to do is gain control of the educational system so you could indoctrinate the kids, and then gain control of the media so that you could spoon-feed the people only what you wanted them to know and exclude what you didn't want them to know, hmm. replace faith in God with faith in government, and raise the national debt to astronomical levels so that you could... Uh, massively increase taxes, redistribute wealth, and com- and complete the dependence on the government. So, Those are all the things that are happening right now. Yeah, and I, I think I think more than ever. One of the things about race that's... It, and it, I just I can't get over what I saw this week when I saw the new press secretary spend the first five minutes of her first press briefing talking about how historic she was. She's the first black, first out lesbian, uh, first uh, immigrant um, uh, press secretary. And I just find it remarkable because when people think about Ben Carson, I don't even know if you're the first anything, but I know that you did medically, you did some incredible stuff. I know that you're, you're an exciting candidate and author and that you worked for, I know about the stuff you did, not the stuff you look like and so why have we changed the value of a person away from accomplishments to simply these characteristics? And it is it's very sad that we've gone in that direction, but basically identity politics and divide and conquer. And you'll notice that they're using every wedge issue possible to divide our society, be it race, age, income, political affiliation, religion, sex, whatever, to divide us. And, you know, Jesus said it best. He said, a house divided against itself will not stand. And you see how quickly we are in the process of deteriorating. It's and so it's true. vitally important that people recognize this and recognize that there are things that we can do to stop it. It's so true that you say that. And I think I find it really interesting, you know, Gallup polling tracks, uh, you know, how people feel about race relations in the country and how people feel about race relations, including black Americans, has been declining now really steadily since about 2013. And I look at those numbers and I think about how, you know, very sadly, Trayvon Martin died in 2012 and Black Lives Matter was started in 2013. We had Michael Brown and Ferguson and we had all these things. And this is supposed to be, according to the left, a prescription for improving race relations in America. But it only seems to be making things worse. Everybody, black Americans, white Americans, all seem to think race relations have been getting worse since it, ever since this started. So the the medicine doesn't seem to be a very good cure for the disease. I, I mean, how did we get to this point? What are they doing that's so wrongheaded that's making things so much worse right now? Well, they've, they've chosen to emphasize whatever is bad. And it's just like, for instance, remember the George Floyd incident. Mm-hmm. You know, they they broadcast it incessantly, tried to make it seem like this was a common occurrence. The fact of the matter is, this is way off on the distal end of the bell curve. <laughs> and as 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 I demonstrate in the book, when you look at the number of black men, unarmed black men who are killed by policemen each year. You know, people thought that the numbers were vast when, in fact, Washington Post shows us that the number 
is less than two dozen with more than 50 million police civilian encounters. It's vanishingly rare. Now, that doesn't mean that we've, we've come to nirvana, but it does mean that maybe we should look at the actual facts rather than just go on the basis of emotion. We're talking to uh, Dr. Ben Carson. He is author of Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. You know, at the 2016 convention, where you were, obviously, um, I remember um, down the street from the convention, the, a cop, a black cop was uh, standing there, and a young man, a young black man, a teenager, was riding his bike around circles around the cop, and he was berating him and using... Ob- words you can imagine to describe him the the young man hated the police and was calling him every vicious thing in the in the in the world it, it, he was obviously he had anger pent up um you said previously that when you were a young man you were an angry young man too what what happened what is wrong with that kid i i worry that the kid like that is is going to end up is not going to make it till 20 years old. I just worry. What, what are we doing to kids in marginalized community that, that results in them being like this? Well, they're being manipulated with uh, a variety of falsehoods and, you know, not recognizing that the police are your friends. You know, I never had problems with police uh, growing up because my mother always taught us to respect the police. Mm. Uh, none of my sons growing up ever had problems with the police. Because once again, we totally respect the police. And I don't know of any police officer of any color who's going to just come up to somebody and start abusing them. You know, the only time that you really run into trouble are when people are not being cooperative. And sometimes the police overreact. You know, they're human beings. And there are some who are just rotten, like Derek Chauvin. You know, they're just rotten people. Uh, there's unfortunately no way to screen out those rotten people. But it's very inappropriate to take those rotten people and make them seem like the model for everybody yeah. else when that is simply not the case. And and these young men are are fed this stuff. So obviously their impression of what's going on is quite distorted. Yeah, it's incredible what we've done in as a country in such a short time to dramatically, you know, make things worse for people of all races. And and I, I'm so glad that you wrote a book about this, talking about this issue. And I'm fascinated by the title that you chose for the book, Created Equal. Um, and that's, of course, you know, I assume coming from the Thomas Jefferson quote and and the declaration of independence and you know i think it's so interesting because thomas jefferson obviously was a man uh, that had some flaws when it came to race relations as our friends on the left are so fond of reminding us Uh, and you know how do you see that quote and sort of the promise that was embedded in those quotes in in those words you know coming from somebody who certainly wasn't perfect when it came to how he handled race relations in his society in his time. But, you know, we made progress. That's Mm -hmm. the, that's the real key. You know, there are those who try to make it seem like the United States is uniquely evil uh, because of slavery. Right. The fact of the matter is slavery was in virtually every society uh, throughout the history of mankind, and there are more slaves in the world today than there have ever been when you look at human trafficking. Mm-hmm. And the biggest consumer of it is right here, the United States of America. We have hundreds of thousands of people who are being abused, severely abused. People are people, and they're good people of every race and bad people of every race, but we can't define them on the basis of a single defect. Everybody has flaws, everybody has defects, and we should take what they've done, the good things, and celebrate those, the bad things we should learn from. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and I I just think it's so incredible that even though Jefferson wasn't perfect, that he did put those words on paper to, you know, inspire us to live up to them so many years later, you know? Yeah, and we did, and we have. And you look at the incredible progress that's been made in our country and race in just my lifetime. 
this country is completely different today than it was when I was a kid. And, you know, I talk in a book about some of the things that I experienced then, uh, which are just foreign today. It is interesting, uh, too, that, you know, I don't, I, we're a white family, and um, we never talk about, like, our race. I don't think it's great to be white. I don't think I'm superior. I, if you saw me physically, you would know I am not a superior anything. And it, and I don't, I just don't think that many people in the country have time or really care truly about anybody's skin color. Like, who, who has the time? Who's spending their time doing this? Like, I got to get the t tires changed on one of my cars. I got to get the kids to school. I mean, who is really race-obsessed in this country, Dr. Carson? And I, I don't think most people are. I don't think most people give two hoots and a holler about it. But it's being thrown in our face day in and day out. Identity politics in an attempt to achieve a political goal. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of components to it. But creating chaos in our society so that you can say, you see, that system doesn't work. Hmm. Huh. There's a lot of things going on that's leading us in that direction. What are your, uh, along those lines, what are your project predictions about when the Supreme Court uh, decision comes down on Roe? Well, you know, first of all, that was a horrendous thing that that was leaked and it in introduced an element of distrust into the Supreme Court system that will be there probably forever. Yeah. Uh, and that's very sad. But it is good that maybe we're moving toward the way the system was designed to work. You know, major, you know, life-altering decisions should be in the hands of the people and their representatives, not in the hands of unelected justices. Mm. And that's the way the system was designed. You, did it have an emotional impact? You're somebody who worked on, who, who, uh, who performed surgeries on babies in the womb. Did, did, did doing that impact you emotionally, knowing that, that some of the kids that you were working on could have been aborted at the same age? Of course it does. And, and, and if you've ever seen an abortion, I mean, it's the most horrendous thing. That's why they never let the women actually look at the ultrasound screen in the first trimester when it's going on and you introduce this tube. And I mean, it is just... Who would want to be that kind it, of doctor? It's, it's horrible. Dr. Carson, who would yeah, want to do I, that? I don't know. I do not understand, quite frankly, how physicians who take the Hippocratic Oath can do it. I don't understand it. Well, and I think it's so fascinating, too, because progressives act like this is some new progressive thing that they've invented, when in reality, killing inconvenient infants is a very, very old practice in human society. It's one of the most regressive, pro-patriarchal things that happens in a society. I mean, I as a woman, I really view abortion as violence against women also, and a, and a, great, yeah. yep. a great injustice, truly. And we like to we like to call the ancient civilizations barbarians because of the human sacrifice. But are we any better? <laughs> I don't. I'm not sure we are, quite frankly. So uh, we're talking to Dr. Ben Carson. Uh, Dr. Carson, I'll just I'll let you go in a second here. The book is called "Created Equal: The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America." Doctor, how did you get so chill? You just seem like just ice water in the veins. You seem so, I know this isn't new for you, but you just seem like you are absolutely the coolest dude in any room. Well, I wasn't always like that. You know, I once had a, a horrible temper. But, uh, you know, to the grace of God, I changed. And I, I came to the understanding that the reason I was angry all the time is because I was selfish. It was always about me my and I, somebody did this to me, they took my thing, I want this. And if you can step out of the middle of the circle and let it be about someone else, it completely changes who you are. That's so interesting. So you never, when somebody stops short in front of you, you never say, hey, MF, or move the damn car, you never explode at all anymore. Those days are gone. No, I say the average IQ is 100, which means half the people out here have less than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you give my husband lessons, Dr. Carson, in how to in how to get it under control? Because I worry about his blood pressure, truly. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, my, my wife uh, always brings up the fact that 
He said, that person is acting stupid. And I say, they're not acting. <laughs> <laughs> the book, once again, is Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. Dr. Ben Carson, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. You. And once again, thank you very much. It was great to, uh, to talk to him. Uh, and thank you guys for hanging out on another Sunday. Is there, is there are the other housekeeping for getting else? Um, housekeeping? No, I guess not. I kind of feel like I'm, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. Anyway, um, we'll, we'll probably wait until we get some more speak pipe, speak pipe, uh, chat, chat, uh, uh, messages to play if you, we just got a smattering or maybe I'll just plead her out unless you guys want to leave messages. We'll say, we'll check them here and there. Eight, six, okay, Tom, everybody relax. Nice to have you back, Albie. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I did, I'm sorry. I, um, made you a clump. What was that that I did? What did you? I don't remember. When I told you I wanted to light myself on fire instead of t- talking about. State oh, politics. when I was talking about the convention, that's just typical for you, though. I had a good time. I enjoyed I'm it. Glad. I saw some Burn Barrel listeners. I had fun meeting uh, Craig and meeting John Featherston again, who I like a lot. Um, we should do stuff with Craig and uh, Jerry. Probably it makes sense. What do you mean, like Jelly I like it. I think we should. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. If you are a Patreon listener, stay right there. We are going to be doing stuff on the other side for Patreon. Um, that's patreon.com slash burn barrel if you're looking for that. You can also always find us for free on Twitter at burn barrel pod, burn barrel podcast.com, facebook.com slash burn barrel. Anywhere you like to listen to podcasts, video versions on YouTube when they don't kick us off and rumble always. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.